Thank you for listening today. We hope that this message from God's Word will help you to grow in your knowledge of God and your relationship with Him. At Lucy Baptist Church, we are fully committed to loving God, loving people, and making disciples. Now here's today's message. I want to invite you today to turn in your Bibles to Luke 11. We are in a series of messages in the Gospel of Luke. We entitled the series, Jesus, Friend of Sinners. And he is certainly seen in that light continuously, though that uh, term uh, perhaps was uh, not originally uh, meant as a compliment to him, but it certainly is. And we are so grateful uh, that as we have just sung, it is because of that grace that we are able to come just as we are, and he cleanses us and doesn't leave us as we are as we come uh, to him in repentance and faith and surrender of our lives to his lordship. We're going to look this morning at Luke chapter 11. We're going to look at verses uh, 14 um, to 23. Uh, We uh, previously looked at the gospel of John. We preached through that book some time ago, and, and John, he continually shows um, the Lord Jesus and, and various indications of his lordship, of his deity. And he certainly does that in this text as well. A fellow by the name of Josh McDowell, who was a skeptic and uh, who set out to disprove the reality of particularly of the resurrection and the truth of the resurrection, and he sought to dismantle that. And in the process of trying to disprove the resurrection, came to realize the reality and the truth of it, and came in repentance and faith of his life to Christ, and for has many many years now has been has been pointing people to Christ. And he wrote a, a book entitled "Evidence That Demands a Verdict." He wrote a second volume, "Evidence That Demands a Verdict Two." Uh, in our text here in Luke 11, we're reading the story really that is filled with evidence that Jesus is Lord, that He is King, who is greater who is greater than Satan, the enemy, and, and, and uh, the enemy of our souls. Uh, and um, in this passage, we're going to see that Jesus cast out a demon from a man, and no one could deny that it was a miracle that had been performed, but in an effort to try to uh, give uh, some credence or, or at least some explanation for it, they, uh, they said, well, he performed this miracle by the power of Satan, or Beelzebub, as he's referred to, or Beelzebul here, as he's seen in this uh, passage. Um, some were amazed at the, the miracle, but again, others uh, uh, said it was not performed by the power of God. But others were just uncommitted. Um, so even though there was evidence, in the words of Josh McDowell, that demanded a verdict, there were different verdicts, there were different ones, and they ignored the evidence that was seen. And we see many people in our day who do exactly the same thing. And the Word of God makes it clear that God uh, has given us so much evidence uh, for faith and even evidence to see that Jesus is greater, that He is Lord and God. With your Bibles open there, would you, uh, uh, if you're able, please, would you stand with me as once again we look at the Word of God, read the Word of God together. Luke chapter 11. We're going to begin reading with verse number uh, 14 and read through verse... 23, Luke 11, beginning with verse 14. And he was casting out a demon, and it, was, and it was mute. So it was when the demon had gone out that the mute spoke, and the multitudes marveled. But some of them said, He cast out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. 
Others testing him sought from him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against a house falls. If Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? Because you say, I cast out demons by Beelzebub. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him, he takes from him all his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoils. He who is not with me is against me. He who does not gather with me scatters. I'll bring a message from this passage entitled, King Jesus is Greater. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for this opportunity we've had thus far to worship. Thank you, Lord, as we sang this morning about your presence. We thank you that you are here. And we pray you'll continue to make your presence known among us this morning. Lord, as we continue in a spirit of worship, again, we desire to hear the Word of God. We thank you so much for Psalm 119 that we've been uh, reading together. And we thank you, Lord, for the preciousness of your Word. We thank you for the power of your Word. We thank you for putting a love in our hearts for the Word of God, and that is one of the evidences that we are your children, that we hunger for the Word of God. So, Father, we pray now as we look at this passage here from the Gospel of Luke that we would see again more and more of the greatness of God. We thank you that when we speak of the greatness of God, we speak of the Lord Jesus as well. We thank you, Lord Jesus. You are fully God, though fully human. And we desire to see more, a glimpse of your glory today, a greater understanding of your, your greatness because, Lord, you are Lord. Lord Jesus, we pray that uh, those who may not know Christ would be awakened to their need for you today, would be drawn by the work of your Spirit in their hearts to see their need for Christ and realize, Lord, that you came to seek and to save that which was lost. And we thank you for those today who can say that, that we have been sought, we've been found by the Lord Jesus. Thank you for what you are doing. Speak to us today. We pray in Jesus' name and for his glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, again, not only does the Lord Jesus show evidence in this passage of uh, the fact that he is uh, Lord and God, that he is greatest, he also in this passage reveals uh, the heart condition of those uh, who uh, were making these statements, those who wanted a greater sign, and even those who, who uh, denied the miracle that he performed, being by the power of God. And, and Matthew uh, examines in a similar way, a, a similar incident that took place, and, and reveals that they were really revealing the, the, the blasphemy and the hardened condition of their heart that they, as they denied the power of God. 
And I want us to look at this passage today um, again and note five ways that King Jesus is greater. And I refer to him as King Jesus here because in this passage, as we've read today, uh, Jesus said, the kingdom of God has come upon you. And we know that King Jesus is the king of that kingdom. Even as we, taught, as we saw, as we looked a few weeks ago in, in the model prayer that he taught there in, 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 uh, in Luke 11, that uh, the Lord Jesus said, we're to pray, your kingdom come. And so the Lord Jesus says to us, hey, the kingdom has come, and the Lord Jesus is that king. So notice, if you will, with me from, uh, from this passage, King Je- first of all, King Jesus is greater. He has all authority over demons. Again, in verse uh, 14, we see that uh, Jesus delivers this man who is, uh, who is indwelt, who is possessed by a demon. And that is something we see a great deal of throughout the Gospels. We even see that it is something that the, the disciples uh, were enabled to, uh, to be a part of. That was not the primary focus of their ministry, but it was certainly an important part of that. Uh, and, uh, of Jesus' ministry. And, and, uh, and this demon, of course, had caused this man to be mute or to be unable to speak. Certainly that doesn't mean that everyone uh, in that condition or any other uh, physical uh, condition uh, or, or illness, that doesn't mean all of that is caused by, uh, by demon possession, but that was certainly the case here. Maybe people who were there, uh, who were aware of his inability to speak, uh, maybe we're unaware that that was the reason, that was the cause. But when the man spoke, again, they immediately realized uh, that, was, that was the case and, and realized that uh, they were amazed, as we see. The crowd was, was amazed, and as often we see happen when Jesus performs a miracle. Uh, and again, we see people amazed today when, when lives are changed by the power of the gospel. And I believe that is, again, the greatest miracle that the Lord Jesus is performing today is has he transformed lives lives of people who come to him in repentance and faith, and their lives are transformed, totally changed. So he's still amazing people. That's why we sing that song, Amazing Grace, and we never get over his, his, uh, his, the amazing uh, aspect of his grace. So again, uh, uh, this miracle demonstrated Jesus' power. It demonstrated his deity and his ability to deliver some, someone from, uh, from demons. And Jesus gives us authority over the, over the enemy as well. You remember back in Luke 10, 17, when the 70 or 72 uh, went out, uh, the Bible says they returned with joy, saying, "The Lord, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Of course, the Lord Jesus, uh, he didn't rebuke them for being amazed, but he said the real thing they should be amazed about was that their names are written, uh, written in heaven. But, but they were amazed because they had that authority. And the Lord Jesus gives us authority. Uh, and it, particularly as we go in his name. He's told us in, in the Great Commission that all authority has been given unto me, he said, in heaven and on earth. Go therefore. Go therefore in that power, in that authority. Because again, when we go in the purpose of, uh, of fulfilling the Great Commission, making disciples, uh, we will know a level of spiritual warfare that we have never known before. Because again, we are attacking, in a very real sense, the gates of hell. We are assaulting the kingdom of Satan as we share the gospel that will set people free. Satan doesn't like that. He wants to keep people bound in their sin and in darkness. And, uh, and so again, uh, I remind us today uh, that we serve a real enemy. Demon possession is real. Demonic power is real. Uh, many people today 
want to uh, uh, tr- try to describe it as something else or, or say maybe, uh, maybe the Bible wasn't literal here. Maybe demons were just what people thought they were. But the Bible is clear. Uh, they are no joke. They are, they are real. And, but, but, and, and we, dear friend, are no match for the enemy in and of ourselves. But I have good news for you. Uh, Satan and his demons are no match for Jesus. The Lord Jesus is greater. And Scripture says in 1 John 4, 4, Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So just a word here, friend. We, uh, we live in a day where many people want to treat uh, uh, Satan as a joke. They want to ret- treat demons as something to be joked about or laughed about or something to treat lightly. But we must not uh, open ourselves up to uh, the oppression of the enemy in our lives. And therefore, we must protect our, our personal lives. We must protect our, our hearts and our homes from Satan's oppression and, and influence. Satan is not uh, omnipresent as is God. Therefore, he does his work largely through, uh, through demonic influence. And we must protect our lives and our families. Uh, we must protect ourselves by guarding our hearts. And, uh, and that's why it's so important that we do uh, not allow uh, Satan's influence in our lives. The Bible says, give no place to the devil. And we can do that certainly through the kinds of television we allow in our home and movies and, and, and again, uh, 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 games and internet sites and things of that nature that open us up to the influence of Satan. And, uh, and, but instead, we are to put on uh, the whole armor of God. Ephesians 6.11 says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes, the devices, the trickery, if you will, of Satan. But King Jesus is greater, uh, and, uh, and he has all authority over demons. Secondly, King Jesus is greater. He has all knowledge and wisdom. Uh, immediately beginning there in verse 15, the Bible uh, says that, that some of them immediately said he cast out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. You see, these uh, enemies of Jesus were always looking for ways to discredit Jesus uh, and to try to explain away his power, just as people do as well today. Uh, and so they, in, they attributed this miracle, if you will, uh, this casting out of this demon uh, to uh, Beelzebub, Beelzebub, which is, uh, they said, the, ru- the ruler of demons, the prince of demons. Uh, that was uh, Satan himself. You see, they had, uh, the Jews had, uh, had, in a sense, renamed, uh, given this name to Satan uh, in their disdain for him. Uh, the, the Beelzebub, or Beelzebul, was the, the Canaanite god uh, that you perhaps know the, the name, meaning of that name is uh, ruler of the flies or Prince Baal. And uh, in a similar incident in, uh, in Galilee, uh, Jesus said that their accusation or their stating this was, uh, was an unforgivable blasphemy. And why? Of course, because they had attributed the work of, of the Spirit of God, the work of God to Satan which was an indication of the hardness of their heart uh, and, and the, the spiritual condition of their heart. Uh, but Jesus, the Bible says, there are others there. Scripture tells us in this passage in verse 16 who were attributing uh, this, um, this work, this sign, this miracle 
they were testing him. They wanted, not attributing here, but by 16, I mean, they were, they were wanting a greater sign. So in other words, they were saying, well, that one's just not enough, that, that we need more. Uh, and of course, Jesus uh, talked about that fact, that those, there were those who were always wanting additional signs and, uh, and always wanting uh, some other kind of sign. And in reality, uh, nothing else Jesus would have done would have convinced them. Uh, more evidence would, would have not produced faith in their heart because their hearts were hardened against God. And just as it is today with many who see the evidence, they see the evidence of creation. They see the evidence of, of, of changed lives. They see the, 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 the word of God being fulfilled, and yet they deny that. They harden their heart against God. And, uh, and so uh, they do not respond. Their hearts are hopelessly hardened. Uh, uh, Jesus further revealed uh, his deity, how? In verse 17, by the fact that he knew their thoughts. Scripture says here, uh, knowing their thoughts, he said to them. So Jesus knew their, their thoughts. And only God knows the hearts and thoughts of people. More than once in the Gospels, we see that about the Lord Jesus. He revealed that he is God by knowing the thoughts of people. In fact, in, in, uh, in John, we, we read uh, concerning um, the Lord Jesus in, in chapter 2, 24 and 25. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. Jesus knew the hearts of these people. They outwardly appeared to be uh, demonstrating faith or to be expressing faith, but he, Jesus knew their hearts. He knew their, their faith was, was not real. They're, they were simply wanting what Jesus might could give them even in a physical sense. And so Jesus knows the hearts and thoughts and motives of people. He knows your heart today. He knows your thoughts. Uh, you may uh, can fool uh, everybody else in this world, your family, and, and you may can fool people in the church, and you may can uh, fool people in the community, but you cannot fool God. God knows your heart. He knows your thoughts. Uh, and, and then again, Jesus reveals the, the foolishness here in this passage uh, of the notion that he was casting out demons by Satan's power. He not only uh, has all knowledge as God, but he has all wisdom as God. Uh, as God. And, uh, and he revealed the foolishness of their human wisdom. And, uh, and certainly Scripture talks a lot about that, about, uh, about man's wisdom, about human wisdom. And uh, he, he revealed it was a foolish notion that he would do that. That would have been divisive, Jesus says, to Satan's house. If he were casting out uh, demons by Satan's power, that would be uh, coming uh, in a civil war against his own house. And dear friends, Satan is foolish. Uh, he is very foolish. Uh, but you know what? He is united nonetheless. And uh, even in the ministry of Jesus, we see how even uh, he brought together two parties of people that were, uh, were f or had, or had been at war with one another, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And yet when it came to attacking the Lord Jesus, they teamed up. And uh, whatever you might say about Satan, uh, we don't like to give him any credit, uh, but nonetheless, he is organized, as we see uh, clearly in Scripture, and he is united. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers 
over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That passage, and we don't have time to fully go into it, but it describes how organized Satan is and how even in, the, in human governments and human world, we see his influence in, and, and his demonic power at work in this world. And Jesus is showing the foolishness of this idea that he would have been casting out a, a demon by the, by the power of Beelzebub or, or Satan. Uh, and again, in verse 19, he illustrates by their own, their own uh, Jewish disciples and, and uh, their sons, he's referred to there, who, who claim to cast out demons. Uh, over in Acts chapter, I believe it's chapter 19, we read a story there about, uh, about some men who were trying to cast out demons in Jesus' name. And they, were, uh, they, they, they ran uh, like scalded dogs uh, uh, because they got beat up by these demons. So these were merely claims that this was taking place. They had no real power or authority uh, to do what they claimed to do. But Jesus asked that question, by what power do they cast out demons? And of course, their answer would have been, by God's power. So again, we see in this, in this incident that Jesus has all knowledge. Jesus has all wisdom. In fact, Scripture uh, tells us he is the wisdom of God. Uh, Satan and his followers are very crafty. Uh, that passage we read earlier from Ephesians, we talked about the schemes, the devices of the, the wicked one. He has influence in, uh, in, in our world today, in institutions and in human, human wisdom. Uh, but dear friend, again, they are no match for the, the wisdom of the Lord Jesus. Because again, he is the source of the wisdom of God. Colossians 2.3 says, in, in whom Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And I have good news for us as believers. Our human wisdom is inadequate. That's why we don't have to lean on our own understanding, Scripture says. But if we'll acknowledge him in our, our ways, he will direct our paths. And he promises to give us his wisdom in James 1.5 when we ask uh, for him, of him, his wisdom. And, uh, and, and just as God honored Solomon's request for wisdom, God honors our request for wisdom. And, and, uh, and we give him all glory and praise as he fulfills that desire in our hearts as well. King Jesus is greater. He's greater than our enemy. He's greater than, than human wisdom. He has all knowledge and all wisdom. But thirdly, I want you to see King Jesus is greater. His kingdom has come and is coming. Uh, Jesus said to them here in, in verse um, 20, he said, but if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. And this phrase, uh, finger of God, is used more than once in Scripture. Uh, one time it's used there in, in the book of, of Exodus when, uh, when the Egyptian magicians uh, said concerning the, the plague when Moses struck the dust and turned it into gnats, they said, this is the finger of God. They said, hey, the, the, we, can't, we can't duplicate this one. Uh, no, no magic will produce this. This is the finger of God. You think about the finger of God. Uh, it, it, one thing it's certainly indicating is that uh, it, it wasn't, didn't take a great deal of effort. You know, God just, this, this, is, this is something that God did. God gets all the glory. He's got far greater power. Even in his finger, uh, he has all power and all authority. And, uh, but, but these Jewish leaders didn't recognize that. In fact, over in Matthew 12, 28, uh, again, uh, 
which actually took place in Galilee, but was very similar to this. Jesus said to those, uh, but, but if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So again, I believe Jesus here, as he refers to the finger of God, is referring to the Spirit of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. And remember, Jesus had just taught this lesson on prayer. He just taught them how, uh, how as believers, as they requested him, that he would teach them to pray. And the Lord Jesus has taught them to pray. And he's taught them uh, how we should continue to go to God and not give up in calling on him in prayer. And so now the Lord Jesus is demonstrating the, what answered prayer will do, how God will enable us to overcome the enemy and will enable us to live by the power of the Holy Spirit as we lay hold of that uh, through prayer. And again, as you read the Ephesians 6 passage that deals with putting on the whole armor of God, he concludes that passage with a wonderful uh, passage on uh, lesson there on prayer and how prayer is how we avail ourselves of the whole armor of God, who is the fullness of the Lord Jesus himself in us and through us as the people of God. King Jesus is greater. Jesus says, because I did this in the power of the Holy Spirit, he says, the kingdom of God has come upon you. Remember, we saw Jesus taught us to pray, Father, your kingdom come. And, and of course, uh, we, we talked about the fact that that had the, an internal aspect uh, as we pray for his kingdom to come. Uh, there's an aspect in which we're praying, Lord, we, we yield to you, Lord Jesus. You are Lord. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. And we want you to uh, have rule and reign in our lives. So there's an aspect in which, which that is true. Uh, it's also, again, we said not only an internal aspect, but an external one. We're praying as we pray that, that the Lord Jesus would extend his kingdom. And as the gospel is ex extended, as the gospel is proclaimed, his kingdom uh, comes in that sense of the word. But also we have the eternal aspect. We know that one day the Lord Jesus uh, will reign and every uh, person will recognize him as King of kings and Lord of lords. But the Lord Jesus is the king and he has set up his kingdom in our heart. And Jesus said the kingdom has come. And then, and then we add to that, it is coming. Uh, the fullness of his kingdom is yet to be revealed, but Jesus is king. His kingdom is here. His kingdom has come and, and, and is coming. And we acknowledge that and we, we recognize that, that he is king. And that one day every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We had the opportunity this past week to, to go to uh, the, the uh, Pleasant Ridge Mobile Home Park, and, and we were having the opportunity, uh, Julio and Daryl and I, and, and, and Betty was taking care of uh, little Kenny, I believe it was, and, and we were uh, sharing the, the Bible study. Julio was teaching, and, uh, and the young lady we were speaking to uh, had a question uh, about uh, a, pass, a word that was used in the text that described sin. It was the word contentions. And so uh, Julio translated her question to me, and uh, here was her question. Uh, will there ever be... Oh, excuse me. She asked, what is that word? What does it mean? And I said, well, it, you know, let me illustrate it for you. It's what's going on in our country right now in the aftermath of this election. Contentions. Would you agree? Uh, that's what's been happening. And then she asked a wonderful question. She said, will there ever be good government? Will there ever be good government? And we were able to say, yes, when King Jesus rules, and he shall, he is ruling, amen? He is Lord, he is King of kings. But one day, 
One day the governments of this world will become his government and he will rule. He, he is Lord. He is uh, ruling and he is reigning. And, and so King Jesus is greater. His kingdom is, has come and is coming. But number four, another, again, evidence that Jesus is greater uh, is that he has defeated Satan and his kingdom. Look, if you will, again at, at verses 21 and, and uh, 22. He says, when a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger man than he comes upon him and overcomes him, he takes from him all his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoils. And this is, uh, again, another reason I entitled this message today, uh, King Jesus is Greater. I could have said King Jesus is stronger. He is the stronger one. He is the strongest one. The strong man here uh, pictures Satan uh, and his kingdom. The palace here could be the, the, could be the earth. Uh, his possessions uh, are, are lost people in his kingdom. But again, verse 22 here, the one who is stronger is the Lord Jesus himself. But he's teaching us in this passage that, that in spite of their diligent guard and enslavement of lost people, and the Bible says that those who are lost, those who are apart from Christ, are, are uh, the Bible, Jesus said, you're of your father the devil. They're, they're bound in sin. They're still in darkness. They're in the kingdom of Satan, Colossians says, the kingdom uh, of darkness. Uh, but in spite of, their, uh, of, of the Satan and his demons' uh, desire to, to guard them and protect them and even to set up their, uh, their armor about them, the Lord Jesus, uh, they, they are no match for the Lord Jesus. They cannot keep them bound. Because again, the Bible says that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. And every person uh, with whom uh, God reveals the gospel and they recognize their sinfulness and their uh, uh, repent of their sin and place their faith and trust in Christ, the Lord Jesus, they are set free from sin. And Jesus said, he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. The Lord Jesus came to, to deliver us from that evil uh, darkness. And so he has defeated Satan at the cross. And, uh, and of course, when he was raised from the dead, uh, he defeated the enemy. When he cried out from the cross, it is finished, paid in full. The Lord Jesus was declaring his victory over the enemy. Hallelujah. Praise God. He conquers Satan again. He says here he takes away his armor. One writer points out that, that Satan's armor is the opposite of God's armor that you see read about there in, in Ephesians chapter 6. Instead of the belt of truth, he, he, uh, his armor is the belt of lies. It's the breast, breastplate of self-righteousness. Uh, again, the shoes of self-accomplishment, the shield of unbelief, the, the helmet of skepticism, the sword of worldly wisdom. And, and the Lord Jesus disarms uh, our, our enemy to set us free. In fact, 1 John 3, 8 uh, says the reason uh, the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Paul said in Colossians 2, 15, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. Hallelujah. The Lord Jesus came to set us free and he has defeated Satan and his kingdom. Notice on into the second part of verse 22, he not only takes away 
his armor. He says here he divides his spoil. Matthew Henry explains this in this way. He says, all the endowments of mind and body, the estate, power, interest, which before were made use of in the service of sin and Satan are now converted to Christ's service and employed for him. Yet this is not all. He makes a distribution of them among his followers and, and, and having conquered Satan, gives to all believers the benefits of that victory. And we certainly see that in our own day. And praise God, uh, we see people who once served Satan. And, and uh, even as I describe men like Josh McDowell and, and uh, men like Lee Strobel in our, in our day who were once uh, serving Satan in his kingdom, now serving the Lord and using what God has given to them. And, uh, and again, we could name others. Uh, one of the greatest examples in history is a man named Saul of Tarsus who was, again, attacking uh, the church and, uh, and, and bringing assault against the people of God. But one day God uh, rescued him and set him free and then used what God had given to him to his glory and to bring others, uh, perhaps the greatest missionary who ever lived. And it, isn't it exciting today that not only uh, the Lord Jesus has the Lord Jesus defeated Satan and he continues to rescue those who are bound in sin, but isn't it wonderful that God allows us to be tools, to be his ambassadors, to help rescue people from darkness? That's exactly what he does. He, he, the Bible says there in 2 Corinthians 5 that he's given to us the ministry of reconciliation. We go now in his authority. We go now in his authority. Uh, power, and we present the powerful gospel message of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible said it is that gospel message by which people believe and which people come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we able, we're able today to see people set free, set free from Satan's kingdom, the kingdom of darkness, and brought into the kingdom of his dear son, says Colossians. Jude, descri Jude describes this uh, mission in, in Jude 20 through 23. He says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life, and have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Every time we go to share the gospel and, and uh, the powerful gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have the joy of seeing people repent as people respond in repentance, turning from their sin and faith, trusting in Christ, His death, burial, and resurrection, and surrendering their lives to His Lordship. They are delivered from this this power of Satan, and they come to a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the greatest examples in Scripture, I believe, of, of this kind of work that we're involved in in the mission is, is back to the Old Testament there in 1 Samuel, where David, uh, perhaps one of the most famous stories in Scripture, David, a teenager uh, with no battle experience, a very young man, though he'd had experience in, in protecting his sheep and fighting against lions and bears, but no battle experience with, with men. He, he came, and that giant uh, of a man, Goliath, 
Philistine was threatening the army of God. Everybody was shaking in their sandals. They, they didn't know what to, you know, they, they, they didn't know how they possibly could overcome this man. And then this little teenage boy with peach fuzz on his chin showed up and, and, uh, and he said, hey, I'll take, I'll, I'll, I'll take him on. And, uh, and, and brothers, his brothers got rather, rather, rather aggravated at him, but you know, man, whatever. So, uh, so this is what David said to this man, this giant of a man, he was clearly outmatched, but David said to him, Goliath, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. He said that all the assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. And of course, he hurled that stone at him. He fell to the ground, and with his own sword, he took off his head. And again, it was obviously aware that the battle was the Lord's. And friend, I remind you, the battle is the Lord's. You may be thinking today about uh, someone you know who's bound in sin and darkness, and you, it appears to you, how is it possible that that person could be brought? Uh, again, it, it's too great. I, I, I don't know what to do. I want to tell you, folks, the battle is the Lord's. The battle for that person's soul is the Lord's. And you come to them not uh, in your own physical might. You come to them not uh, in your own strength. Uh, you're no match for the enemy who has them bound, but they're no, but that, uh, that person and the enemy is no match for Jesus. He has all power. The battle is the Lord's. So take that person to the Lord in prayer. Continuously pray over them. Pray that God would deliver them. Pray he would bind the enemy from them. Pull down those strongholds that have them bound and continue to pray for, and look for that opportunity to share the powerful gospel message of the Lord Jesus Christ, so that they may be delivered and come to faith in Christ. Number five, King Jesus is greater. He is either your Lord or your judge. Verse 23, notice what he says in verse 23. Jesus said, He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. Back in, in Luke 9, 50, the Lord Jesus had said, the one who is not against you is for you. Sounds like a, a contradiction, but as, as, as there are none in Scripture, but as McDonald explains, this verse has to do with service, but verse 23 has to do with salvation. This is a reminder to us, that, again, that the battle for the souls of men and women and young people and people throughout the world is not simply something that we can observe as a spectator. It's not a spectator, a sport to be enjoyed in the stands. God, this is something God's called every one of us to do. Every child of God has the, both the responsibility and the joy of being able to be an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ, to take this gospel message to people who need Christ. And again, uh, Jesus says, you are either with me or you are against me. You either gather with me or you scatter abroad. Again, you are, uh, you're either on my side or you're on Satan's side. There is no neutral ground. That's why I said today, Jesus is either your Lord 
and you are serving him with this desire and, and availability to be a part of this rescue work. God put that in your heart. Now, I know that all of us fall short, that we all miss opportunities to share the message of the gospel. We all feel inadequate, and, and the enemy wants to intimidate us. He wants us to hide our, our light under the bushel. He, he, he wants us to, uh, uh, to be like the Arctic River frozen at the mouth when those opportunities come our way. But dear friend, do you have a desire in your heart? Do you want to see people come to faith in Christ? Do you have a desire to see people repent of their sin and place their faith in Jesus? Then dear friend, God has put that desire in your heart. And Jesus is saying to us here, you're either with me or you're against me. You're either gathering with me. You're in this, in this ministry with me uh, uh, because he is the Lord of the harvest. And you are desiring in your heart to see people come to faith in Christ. You want to see disciples made here and around the world. You want to see people delivered from the, from the kingdom of darkness, delivered and, and transferred, as Colossians describes it, into the kingdom of his dear beloved son. You have that desire in your heart if you truly are a child of God. And that is an evidence of being a child of God in your own life. That is an evidence or lack thereof that also demands a verdict today. You see, everyone, every person is one day going to acknowledge Jesus is Lord. Philippians 2, 9 through 11 says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So you see, friend, we can confess him now as our Lord, and we can be gathering with him and sharing the gospel and sowing those gospel seeds and praying for lost people to come to faith in Christ looking for opportunities to be used of God, gathering with Him or scattering abroad. He's either our Lord or one day will be our judge. Which is it today? Which describes you? Again, the good news is, as we've already illustrated, the good news is, is that people who once, who are now scattering abroad, those who are now against Him can become one of His and can begin to be a tool of Him to be gathering with Him and scattering the gospel rather than scattering people. And again, no better illustration that I can think of than, than Saul himself, who one day was on his way to uh, Damascus to throw into prison and ultimately lead to the death of those, no doubt, who were apart from, from Christ. But on that day was rescued by the Lord Jesus, whose life was turned around and again was used mightily of God to bring people to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus is still rescuing souls with the gospel message of Christ. Another man we heard about uh, just recently uh, was a man named Martin Luther. And you know, Martin Luther was, uh, was, a, uh, was a Catholic monk and, and, and Luther uh, realized at one point in his life uh, that he did not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He realized that though he was a monk and he had tried uh, outwardly to perform all these religious acts in his life that, that he realized he, that he the, the, came to understand that the Bible taught that the just uh, shall live by faith and that righteousness comes not through the law, but only through 
a repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He repented of his sin. He placed his faith in Christ. He realized that he was accountable, accountable before a holy God. And praise God, he came to realize the gospel that the Lord Jesus died uh, because of our sinfulness and our separation from God and that through repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ was the only way that anyone could have a relationship with God. And so he cried out to God, repenting, turning from his sin, placing his faith in Christ, and his life was transformed. He set out to make, ha have everyone know that wonderful message of the gospel, that it was through, through Christ and through faith in Christ and Christ alone that anyone could be saved. He was rescued. And uh, in fact, uh, he wrote a hymn that we have been singing recently. It's called A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Ten years later, really, after the Reformation had begun, amid great external persecution and, and great internal uh, di discouragement, depression in his life. He went through great struggles in his life, but he wrote that hymn. And here's the ver first uh, and second verse I want to share the words with you today to remind you again. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. Describing Satan, he says, on earth is not his equal. But in the second verse he wrote, did, did we in our own strength confide? Our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Thus ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabaoth, his name, from age to age the same, and he must win the battle. Dear friend, we are no match for the enemy. We cannot win the battle. But as David said, the battle is the Lord's. And I want to urge you today, if you're trusting in yourself today as a believer, trying to depend on your own strength, I want to challenge you today to repent of your own strength and turn to Christ and rest in Him. But if you're here today, uh, as was Saul, a religious person, or as was uh, Martin Luther, a religious person, but you're depending on yourself and your own strength, I want to call out to you today as they came to realize uh, the, the power of God. Turn from your sin. Realize the Lord Jesus is greater, and He came to deliver you, and He came to set you free, to set the captive free. And I want to challenge you today to turn from your sin, place your faith and trust in Christ, and Christ alone today to save you. And as a child of God, assume your position through His power, the power of His Spirit, through the power of prayer, to become a part of His rescue team to help others know the truth of the gospel and how they too can be set free. This is Pastor David Lawrence. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that God used His Word in your life today. If you do not have a relationship with God, the Bible says you can as you turn from your sin, place your faith in Christ Jesus, His death for you on the cross and His resurrection from the dead, and surrender your life to Jesus as Lord. We'd like to invite you to join us for worship. You can find information about the times and locations for all of our gatherings on our website at lucybaptist.com. If you have any questions, or if we can minister to you in any way, 
please call us at 901-872-0623 or email us at info at lucybaptist.com.